the last person that owned his house, they had a koi pond with all oh, these different koi variants pond. of There's tree. another hot take. You love them or hate them? Oh, I hate them. two friends that have Snake koi fest. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like... Oh, I mean, who sits around a koi pond? Is like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, wow. this is, who did this? The pump goes bad, and it's like, uh, I really like him. <laughs> you do. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of His Spirit, do better. So together, we can be a little better. Well, welcome to a little better. We are here at week. I, I lose track. Week six. six. Week six. We are so close. So close to the finish line. Seven subtle sins of society in seven weeks. Here is week six, so stay tuned. We're very close to the grand finale. It'll be very special, I'm sure. But this week, <laughs> Drew, thanks for bringing it. Yeah. Uh, sharing a little bit about the subtle sin of consumerism. Why don't you give us your sermon in 60? <laughs> Good news. And now in a week, you won't feel as guilty as you do now. <laughs> um, uh, we talked about consumerism and how we often tend to make life about us um, mm-hmm. in every area of our life. And so we looked at a, a, a prophet from God mm-hmm. um, and Haggai kind of challenging the nation of Israel of how they forgot God's kingdom at the expense of their kingdom, right? So they're chasing after their kingdom, building their houses instead of God's house. And so we talked about how we asked pointed questions, right? The, the phrase in scripture is like, give careful thought to your ways. So we did that by asking pointed questions. Are you satisfied? And have you made life all about you? And the way we overcome consumerism is simple, finding our satisfaction in the proper place and by choosing to contribute. Excellent. And uh, my apologies, I forgot. If you're listening and not watching this podcast, you may be unaware that once again, we have Michelle Geringer here to uh, bring it. She heard your sermon, Drew, and I'm sure she's got a lot of questions about it. But, I hope uh, not. <laughs> always, always, always happy to have uh, Michelle's contribution. So listen, as I often ask, um, anything you left on the table? Uh, I mean, I would love to give a little bit more background and build up to Haggai, like the setting, um, you know, obviously setting the scene, but you know, I can, I can only give so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to get a, a little bit more in detail on like the significance of God moving the, you know, moving from the temple to our, our lives and the dwelling place there. Um, I would say those are the two big things that I think I, I one thing I liked about this sermon was, teaching some biblical literacy and understanding from old Testament to new Testament and like the, the roles of leadership in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going a little more in detail to that would have been nice. Yeah. I love going back to the prophets. I mean, you know, that how they preached, right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pictures they use, the insights, everything, there's really some beautiful stuff there. So, um, Michelle, um, what do you wish Drew included that he didn't include. Yeah, yeah, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. If I was preaching the sermon, okay. Um, I think one of the things as I was listening that I was just thinking about a lot was um, the American dream and how we are all just we're after our own happiness. Mm. We're after this life with big houses and lots of cars and job promotions. And like, there is a prescription for what is a good, what's the good life. And there's some slight differences. Maybe your good life looks a little bit different than the next person, but there's these different variants of like, this is the dream and I'm going to chase it. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times as Christians, we know that God 
loves us, died for us, we believe in Jesus, and we're, we're ready to say, like, God's the leader of our spiritual life, but we don't let him infiltrate, like, all the rest of it. We mm-hmm. just leave him there in on Sunday, like in that spiritual space. When spiritual things happen, we draw right near to God, but then we just pursue the American dream anyway. Mm. And we don't do it like, it's not intentional. I see myself doing it too. Like there's times where are just like, wait, 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 why do I even want that? Oh, I'm pursuing like the American dream. I'm not even thinking about what does God say about the way that I should use my money or use my time? What does wholeness and goodness really look like for me in this season? I'm not being intentional and thoughtful in all my ways. I'm just like, well, that's the good life and I want the good life. So I'm going to go for that. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think that concept of the American dream and it just, it's built in and we can't really escape it. We just have to keep pushing against it and being intentional and thoughtful in all of our ways. Yeah. I feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that I, it was a bumper sticker. It really, it was, was a John Piper quote, Jesus saves from the American dream. I think I'm attributing that correctly, but as far as John Piper is also concerned, you know, I know his, his mantra is Jesus is, or God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm -hmm. So I know that John Piper has done a lot of, you know, doing battle in some ways with the American dream. I mean, I'm wearing a very... Yeah, you I, are. <laughs> so <laughs> For the those funny who thing are is, listening, if Brad you're listening, you're missing a, a sweet, sweet shirt. But sweet I've got, is an understatement. I, I would consider audience. myself very patriotic, um, and uh, you, I'm proving it by wearing this American flag shirt, but uh, I don't know if... <laughs> should have saved that for 4th of July, by the way. Yeah. For the, well, okay, so here, here, here's the deal. You guys on the podcast, you get to see behind the scenes a little bit. I think you kind of appreciate that. So the fact is, um, we had to do a location shoot for the 4th of July yeah. today. So I rushed from that shoot to the podcast wearing the shirt that you guys will get to see <laughs> for the July Sneak weekend. Peak, right? yeah. Sneak peek, <laughs> of what, what what is coming. But back to the American dream it is so easy to, you know, one be, I would say, okay, let me say it this way. You guys can react to be infected by the American dream. Cause it's the, it's the water it's fish. That's the water we swim in yeah. hard to even see. Yeah. You know, we were, we were raised on this American dream, right? So easy to be infected by the American dream. And then it's very easy to use God to serve our ends, right? Yeah. You know, Christianity is going to make me prosperous. Christianity is going to give me a good life. Christianity mm. is going to make me satisfied in the way I think yeah. satisfaction ought to be defined. Yeah, yeah I, I think you could sum it up in like consumerism is chasing happiness at the expense of holiness. Mm. Um, and, you know, essentially that's the American dream, chase happiness. And what brings happiness is house, picket fence, right? The right job, the, the right cars. And, you know, at the core of consumerism is this endless pursuit for satisfaction, Mm -hmm. right? And ultimately that's the American dream. We're searching for something that will satisfy. Right. Unfortunately, right. That, that aim, that goal we're aiming at the American dream leaves us empty. Right. 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 Because you see so many people who achieve it, like they get it and it's not the dream they thought it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And holiness on the other hand is a completely different aim. It's really should be our aim as Christians to be holy, set apart for God. Um, and 
how often do we are we chasing that instead of that? So I, to me, it feels a little like the paradox that Jesus lays out. If you seek, you know, go, those who seek to save their lives will lose it, but yep. those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. I think those who seek happiness won't find it, but those who those who seek holiness ultimately get happiness. I mean, yeah. happiness doesn't mean giddy you know, joy laughing all the time, but there is a, 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 a peace, a satisfaction. There is a center to it yeah. that is more satisfying. And just to, I have a book out here, which I actually can't reach because of this mic. I feel like I can't. Um, so there, there's a book called Becoming Whole. Um, and it's one of my favorite books. And there's something inside of there called The Paradox of the Unhappy Growth. Thank you, Drew. And um, basically it talks about how, you know, we, we think that more money means more happiness. Mm-hmm. And that can be true up to a point. Like if you don't have enough to feed your children, if you don't have enough to live on, that can cause a lot of stress and that can cause a lot of unhappiness. But then there's a point where you actually have so much that it causes a lot of unhappiness Mm -hmm. and it's tied to depression and it's tied to suicide rates and it's tied to anxiety and all host of kinds of things that we see that are rampant problems in our communities, right? So having too much actually can cause us to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and when has God ever called us to happiness, right? You know, the word in, in, in scriptures we're after is joy, right? Mm-hmm. And these things are different, right? Because right. joy is true despite circumstances. Correct. Happiness, according to us, is, sure. has to be circumstance, like is driven by circumstances, right? And then we find out, wait, I'm not happy when the circumstance I was supposed to be happy in isn't delivering happiness, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that's like the, one of the biggest mm-hmm. lies in this journey of consumerism is what we're chasing doesn't deliver what we want. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think that's a great read. I'm going to add that to my list. Yeah. Becoming whole. The tagline on the book is why the opposite of poverty isn't the American dream. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trashing the American dream left and right here. So as, as it should be, I think, um, so I, I don't know if this is a tangent, but um, so we can have confusion about what our genuine need is and what satisfies. I mean, we talk about the pursuit of money. I think the real question there is, what's the money for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But, you know, we, we, we just think, if I have it, I'll be better. But, um, but I also think, I'm also wondering, then when we deal with others who don't have money or any money, like we're talking about poverty, we're talking about physical needs, does does our misunderstanding of money and our needs um, confuse the way we help others? You know who you know the solutions we bring you know to others. I'm saying that because I'm hoping Michelle that sets you up because I know that you think deeply you know about those things and and are beyond partners are trying to address how do we assist how do we respond to needs in ways that are genuinely helpful mm-hmm. because we've responded to our own needs in hurtful ways and we're certainly at risk of doing that yeah. for others. Yeah, I think our our temptation we see physical needs and they're they're real. They're so real. People have significant deep needs and they know what the need is and they can't meet it. They don't have clean water. They can't give medication or immunizations to their children. Just really specific and deep needs and they if they could earn money, if they could find a way to give that, they would do it. 
But I, I think when we see that, we often want to respond with only like only by addressing their economic poverty. And we forget that there's just more to them. There's more to a person than just the stuff that they have. Mm -hmm. And we know that just in an American like setting, when we just chase the things that we have, it leads to us forgetting about the rest of us. What about our relationship with God, mm -hmm. our understanding of who we are in light of who God is, our relationships with other people? We mm -hmm. forget about all those pieces and we just chase money, money, money. And so mm -hmm. when we see somebody that doesn't have money, it's so valuable to us that we just want to help them improve their economic situation. And we forget that, you know what, they have great relationships with their neighbors. We don't, I don't even know my neighbor's name. And they, they have a whole community. So they have some things and areas where maybe we have some poverty, poverty of relationships, where they're thriving. Yeah. So mm -hmm. not only can we and should we, as a person of affluence in the States, address needs that we see in our own communities and abroad, but we should also look to learn, like approach people as a learner and say, and where are we weak and where are you strong? Because just because we have yeah. money doesn't mean we have all the answers. Right. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't mean that we can come and say, this is exactly what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing we want to see is beautiful villages and communities becoming like communities in America where they don't know their neighbors or they don't have connection with their churches. or mm -hmm. you know. So there's lots of things to just look and learn from other from other people yeah. as we look to address those severe and serious at times physical needs. Yeah. I mean, do people use terms like reciprocal or what's, what's there? There's a two way street is what you're talking yeah. about. Mutual in, transformation. Mutual trans. Thank you very much. That. I knew there was an idea in there where it's, it, it, it frees us from coming from a place of pride or yeah. condescension, you know, towards others, you know, feeling good about ourselves because pat them on the head, we get to bless them. I, I, I want to be a student of those who have lived lives with a day-to-day, minute-to-minute dependence of God, on God, which I have not known. Yeah. Um, and I worry about, you know, do I have too much margin in my life, you know? Too much, you know, not that I'm a rich person, but by world standards, yeah, we're we all are. rich, right? Yeah, right? I mean, we're right. not worrying about the next meal, these different things. Have I insulated myself? You know, how close am I to the parable of the rich man who had his silos full and said, I'm good? Yeah. Even think about like the concept of, you know, in the, in the prayer that Jesus prayed, he prayed, you know, give us this day our daily bread. It's mm -hmm. almost uncomfortable to pray for that because it's like, I have more bread than I think I can I make that. it through this week. I don't you know go to the like, grocery well, I have store. I so much food in my house. I shouldn't go shopping. Right. So like the concept of praying for that, it almost seems other to mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. at times. And then I realize like that's a real prayer for some people. And it's just the wealth and the blessing and the affluence that I have access to that makes me think that way. And I guess the opposite of consumerism would be that gratitude and understanding that the things that we have are from God and that we can use the things that we have to give life to others. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I won't, you know, buy this extra thing because I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to somebody who doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we talked earlier about being in, I mentioned earlier about being fish in the water and being having those 
we can't see because we're swimming in the fish, but those people, you know, who have lived extremely different experiences, they can see. I also think mm-hmm. about how different the life of first century Christians was to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we live in an age, they didn't have an advertising industry, <laughs> right? Which is, I mean, billions of dollars, create, you know, um, with the intent of making us miserable, creating in us a discontent mm. so that we have a hunger and a drive for their stuff, right? It didn't even exist, yeah. you know, in the first century. And so I just feel, to me, it feels like we have gasoline on the flames of these passions and desires. That it's interesting us. that you, essentially marketing schemes are to make, like they're designed to make you feel discontent. Yes. Right. Even if you, you know, even if you feel content, it's to convince you you're not content and here's what you need to make you content. Right. Um, and so we are constantly fighting against this from just, it's screaming in our ear everywhere right. from like the commercial you watch, right? Like I, I watch, um, games all the time, sports all the time. And like the thing that always gets me is like the, the, the food, right? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I need that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm know sitting there, I I'm not that, hungry. But now I know. The new like, KFC oh, crispy chicken. Or <laughs> hot salty fries. Like, yes. Dairy Queen. Yes. Like, and yeah. it's, it just breeds this lack of contentment. Right, right. But just think about the industrial machine, you know, the billions in research that's just A, B, testing every response to every little thing to just a max. I mean, we... So if the 10th commandment, right, to not covet is really a command to be content, and you have that yeah. New Testament instruction from Paul, I mean, this is what you have to pursue. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You need to be content, and to be discontent is to question God. Yeah. Um, but we have an industry, we have a culture, we have an environment that is... Now, I don't know if I've just told everyone listening to this podcast who's working in the advertising industry, they need to repent, but uh, <laughs> we can work that through. We'll talk it through. I'm sure there are good, good, good ways to, to work in that, but it's, uh, yeah. Well, and it's you think of contentment, right? Like, which is the opposite of consumerism and like what's tied to contentment, right? Mm-hmm. There's things like, I think you mentioned it, Michelle, gratefulness or thanksgiving for what you have, right? When you realize that your daily bread is not something you have to pray for. Hopefully our hearts is like, okay, well, what do I need that I need to pray for? It's no, like, maybe I should just pray, God, thank you. Thank you that that's not a a worry of mine or a prayer of mine Mm -hmm. when it is other people's. And then joy, right? Like I should wake up every day and feel joy, not based on my circumstances, but joy that I have what I, what God has provided for me. Like there's a, a like you ever, you meet these people. I even think of in pre-preach the story you told of the people who didn't have much, but there was such a, a contagious joy of what they were doing and what they were giving. And you ever meet people who don't have a lot, but you're like jealous of their joy, right? Yes. It's like, how, why? You you shouldn't feel that way. I don't feel that way. And I'm way better off than you are. <laughs> why do you have that joy? Like, right. and like, that's what, how Can we- Can I buy that joy? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. How much is that How much that does that joy? cost? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And- you know, that's really what our lives should be. Mar- if you are content, there is a joy and like joy and gratitude are like hybrided together through your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's one of the beautiful things about one. So one of the one of the things that we do um, with our project in Malawi, um, we partner with organizations that work through the local church, and they help to change people's mindsets about their poverty. Everybody knows that they don't have much when you live in a hut that you made from the dirt that was in the land that you're sitting on right now, and and you eat crops that you grow in your backyard and that's your whole world, you know that you don't have much. And you look at other people and you compare and you say, well, I can't give because I don't have enough to give, right? And I think that part of part of the mindset change that happens when we start using, uh, there's a program called Savings Groups, and they help people to just begin to save just the smallest little amounts of money and to build a plan for their money. And they do that in community, like like a community group. And then by the end, they have have gained a little bit more more money than when they started. And then they're able to say, oh, you know what? I have now I do have money. I have extra Mm. and now I can give. And the (laughs) joy of giving is one of the greatest gifts. So that's something that we see when we go like when I when I went to Malawi, just seeing the things that people decided to give, like a a group decided they they met a young mom and she didn't have a home. um, And so they decided to pool the money that they had made together and build her a home Hmm. and it wasn't every last dollar that they had but each contributed some Hmm. and then together they were able to give her a real home in their community instead of having her you know like living under she was living under a tarp in the bush I mean just like the most meager means that you can imagine and the people that were giving to her they didn't have much more but they had enough Hmm. and so they were able to give and I think that that margin and that ability to think you know what I have what I need. What could I give is a totally different mindset than what could I get? Yeah. Right. Well, and it just, yeah. it just to think of like somebody that lives off the land completely has enough to give. We certainly have enough to start thinking about where we can And do give. you think like, okay, in the American mindset, right? We are all kind of like this swirls around our lives of like, why is it that when we have extra, we think, solely about getting, mm-hmm. you know, like our, um, I'm not, I'll be real. Like my aunt, like, Hey, yeah. when I, I look at my savings account, I'm like, okay, I'm planning for this for me, whether it's a trip, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. uh, this uh, addition or this upgrade or what I, I'm never like, I, I shouldn't say never, but I'm, I'm like my natural n- mindset natural. is not, I've got excess. How can I give that to somebody? Mm-hmm. How can I, you know what mm-hmm. it's like ooh what can i get from that like ooh mm-hmm. what what extra can i and why is that and mm-hmm. i i think there is in all of us swirling around this world of like a misconception of what satisfies is that the core or would you say it's something else brad <laughs> okay that's how do you know what it feels like guys <laughs> <laughs> that's nearly exactly the question I wanted to ask myself. Uh, what I want to do is hear, Michelle, I know you've got some other resources on the table. Anything else you want us to know about? And then I would like to end on that question. But what else What else is helpful? Sure, yeah. sure. So I have two other books that are here. <laughs> well, so, well done. Thank well, you. Well done. Thank you. Well, well, well. So I've got a book. Um, I did, uh, I've, I've been reading a book 
that it's called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. That's an oldie. It's it is. It's been revised and revised and updated and revised, and it's it takes a really strong stance on how Christians should live, and um, in in it, it really has a lot of challenges about ways that we can live more modestly. Um, and so it's it's not a prescription for how Christians should live or should or should be. But it's a really good read for just how can we start to think differently hmm. about what we have and and what is the appropriate amount to have? How can we start praying about, God, this is what you've given me and what can I do with that? And so there's concepts like, um, there's a concept in here like the graduated tithe is a concept where you give of what you need, you give 10%. And then because we have so much, for every additional you know, $7,000 that you have, you give another additional 5%. And for the next 7,000 you have, you give another, another 5%. So as God gives to you, you give more and more back. So just mm. increasing, increasing the amount that you give as you receive more. So just trying to be able to pour out more blessing. Those are other ideas and thoughts and just gives you some perspective on how much we truly have in comparison to the other 4 billion people in the world. Okay, let me be fully transparent here yes. and say this, that I have not read that book, but I remember when that book came out a long time ago and there was another book published called Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators. So it what you say it's controversial. There, there is quite a bit of controversy. And I'm going to say mm -hmm. this is I'm sure that I would... Um, you know, probably take to heart more of the advice in Cider's book than that, you know, than that, than that pushback. But I would encourage the Christian community. It's like, these are hard problems and we have blind spots and we need each other. Can we just patiently talk to each other? Can we read each other's books? Can we, you know, instead of just being triggered and instantly saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, calling it communist, Marxist, whatever, you know, just... To I don't, read whatever. is not to agree. It's to, just to listen. Right. Well, uh, and like, hey, let's be honest. Sometimes w when we feel that pushback, that, ugh, maybe God's revealing a little bit of a blind spot. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. God's saying, hey, you're so defensive because maybe you're a little... Not, not that you have to do everything they say, but maybe there right. is an indication of like, maybe God's trying to stretch you in that area that you are immediately like defensive right. about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the other resource that I have is a book called Live Justly. It's by Jason Falada, edited by Jason Falada. And it just talks all about how can we live in a, in a whole manner. So it talks about how do we approach God in prayer and how do we approach certain topics. And consumerism is one of them. So there's a chapter in here on consumerism that's, mm -hmm. again, challenging, a new perspective potentially. Sure. It has sure. some discussion questions. Just something to get you thinking and praying to God about what does this look mm. like for me? Yeah. If you disagree with nine things, but agree with one thing, your life has changed, right? Yeah. There's something to listen to and act upon. Well, I think that final question, I think we were hinting at, the way I was thinking of it was, how do we wean ourselves off of this compulsion, obsession, knee-jerk reaction of consumerism, of, of satisfying things the wrong way? I consider, I was comparing it thinking of it as I know sugar is bad for me. Okay. It's empty calories. It doesn't do me any good, but I love sugar. I love sugar. And so for a couple of weeks I've been trying to keep, you know, sugar and there's always a transformation. I mean, there's always, there's always a transition, which is, it's just like those cravings are bad for a few days, you know, and then I get to this point where like, huh, 
I'm not craving it so much. I wonder if there's something similar spiritually. Mm-hmm. Is there a way? And it may, you know, it may be a difficult transition. It may be a detox. But any practical steps, thoughts, ideas of is there a way to wean us and get us feeding on the right the source that truly satisfies? I think one step is awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to be aware of needs is if you're not part of the email system of Care Portal. I think it's a huge way for you just to be aware of like what is going on around you, like the needs. And some of them are just simple needs that families have to keep their family together. Like I, I get the email, the list of needs that pop up and it's just like a constant reminder of like, wow, I have so much to be thankful for. And wow, I, I can do a, I can take a small step and help somebody else, give to somebody else rather than get. So I think a big thing is just awareness for people. Like you don't have to go to Malawi to deal with poverty or all the things we're talking about. It's in our backyard and just being aware and knowing these things are out there, I think is a good first step. No, that's really good. I think, um, I love that. I'd add to that like intentionality, plan to be generous Mm. And when you sit down and you've saved money that's intentionally to be given away, then it gets kind of exciting. You're like, oh, well, who do I want to give this to? And you realize that your money can all, it can also be exciting to give and to plan that giving out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like whether that needs to be a piggy bank or a separate bank account or however that looks, having a genuine plan for giving and not just responding when you're asked, but mm-hmm. making a game plan up front on how you're going to give, that makes the world a difference on how it feels when you do give and the excitement that you get and hearing back from like, what did that do? How did that help? Like, yeah. what, what did God do with that money? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that, and then just turn down the noise. We're just inundated with things. The more Mm -hmm. you turn down the noise, the less advertising that you hear, the more you turn up things like the Care Portal feed or your time alone Mm -hmm. with God, those things really do, they help to balance you and just just to help you to have a a better peace in your heart. Mm -hmm. I love that. A savings account for you and a savings account for others. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what if we all had that in our, mm-hmm. you know, like in our, you look at your bank accounts and there's a savings account. It's not geared for me. It's mm-hmm. geared to give, to help somebody else. It's right. cool. Well, it's unanimous. We all love that idea. Thank you, Michelle, for that very practical step. Thanks. I've loved this conversation. It's, um, time has flown. It's been so good. Uh, thanks, Drew, for beating us up week after week. <laughs> yeah. I know you get one more gut punch to us next <laughs> week to bring the series home. Do come back next week for the final week of Subtle Sins of Society. <laughs>